Good Hello. evening. Hi, all. Welcome. Wednesday night, Generational Change. I'm Jen. I'm Peter, and we're going to teach you a few things this evening. Uh, what are we going to teach? Well, what time are, are uh, Pat and Lila coming on? Five minutes. Okay. So I've been told. Okay. It's all good. So we, I mean, we will be doing a nice cross pod with the punch up people. Apparently there's been some controversy over there. I don't, I don't follow that nonsense. And all I could find, like, I, I just don't. And I, and I hated having to give any credit or airtime or graphic design to said person. Jimbo. Like I'm very loath to do that. I'm very loath to offer it. Like, and I, and, and I don't like it. It feels very, I feel shystery by putting that out there. I feel shystery. I don't think so because as I've often said, you know, Jimmy's a very unique individual because he does have a very, very large following. He absolutely commands an audience. And I know this because I've seen his act in person more than once. And there are a lot of people who you hang on his every word. And when you have that advantage, there's two ways you can go with it. Either you're going to do the selfless thing or you're going to do the selfish thing. And Jimmy has made a, quite the habit out of making it a selfish thing. It is about him and his career first and foremost. That's it is for pretty I much. I just saw some else. bickering back and forth between like Pat and Nick about Jimmy running about them the idea of putting up Jimmy for president because Pat had apparently posted something. See, about Jimmy's that's a, crazy. See, Jimmy's a completely different animal when we're talking about somebody with over a million subscribers. He makes an ungodly amount of money with his live tours. I can assure you, he gets you know, 500 plus people in a room who are each spending probably at least a hundred bucks. God knows it, it just repeats itself and he does really well. But somebody like Mr. Brana, I mean, that's a grifting king, as I always like to say, because there is nothing there. And he's- I just don't choose to engage in, in getting involved in stats with them and Twitter, like oh. Twitter fights. And like, there's constantly things going on. Like apparently there was something going on between like um, Anna- and other people on the left, again, something about like phrases used, like the, the amount of stuff I see about bickering back and forth takes up. No, the problem is, is that, and, and that of course gets back to what I've been saying for a while, and that is when it comes to the issue, there's basically going to be two key issues in 2024 regarding the culture war that both sides have to recognize what direction the electorate is going to go. When it comes to the issue of abortion, the, the conservatives are, or at least should be aware that it is a losing issue. And if Wisconsin is any indication of what's going to happen, if what happened in Kentucky, Kansas and Montana, when the people had the opportunity to vote on the right to choose, is any indication, it's a losing issue. Yeah. On the other hand, the trans issue, as is just documented with what just happened with Dylan Mulvaney and Bud Light or Anheuser-Busch, that is going to be a losing issue for the left. And people at the ballot box will vote against it. So be aware because the culture war is not going away. No. Any excuse not to talk about the economic, you know, woes of the day, and there's plenty of them. But if we're going to get into this, you know, war back and forth about are you woke enough or are you trans inclusive enough or are you being uh, open to uh, a woman's right to choose or limiting a woman's right to choose, whatever that may be. That's not going to determine whether or not you have a living wage, you have universal health care, the wars are not ending, the environment sucks. And by the way, we can't afford to live in most instances. And people wondering why there are those who are picking up guns and going shooting people. Uh, when people like the person who just shot up the bank in Louisville should be any indication 
that the person basically broke and decided, okay, well, I don't want to live anymore, and I'm going to take people with me. And who, and who is this? Is this is this a, a man? This was a man. This was a white man, as Jen Lester pointed out. I and do. he was a very well-to-do white man. He, he had... Age, approximate age? 23. 23. Oh, young guy. He had a career. Okay. That's he was an athlete, uh, a star athlete in college. And here he is at this job, and he, he wasn't hacking it. But you never know what the pressures and stuff that people have going on. This, this situation right now, financially for people, even people that maybe seemingly were doing okay, you never know how many people somebody might have that they're helping or supporting and how many, you, you just don't know. And I, and I just think that, you know, it's the desperation. And I, I mean, we could keep saying it's a mental health issue because that is part of it. It's definitely part of it. But I can't help but think we wouldn't have so many mental health problems if we just took better care of our people in general. Um, I think a lot of our mental health issues are not necessarily organic, meaning they're not, I don't think they would just happen if we were all having a living wage and everybody had health care and there was this sort of safety net of life. I don't think we would have, and I, again, this is not me saying anything about you know, diagnosing people that are bipolar or schizophrenic or anything, but I really cannot help but see that there has got to be a connection between uh, the amount of mental illness we're saying and just how poorly we take care of our people in this country. That's what I think. I think you're absolutely right. And everything, it, 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 there's never just one thing that leads to the action of somebody picking up a gun and killing people. There was usually a succession of events that lead to it. But the more we live in a time where people are desperate to yeah. just be able to keep their head above water and the powers that be are telling you, oh, you're just overreacting or go and get a better job. It's not, not that you're not working and go get a job. It's go get a better job. Don't worry about collectively bargaining. You know, we had a person who's commented on a, a handful of our videos, Mr. John Montgomery, who I must say has been very friendly for somebody who's very conservative. But when he brought up, when I brought up the issue of collective bargaining, he didn't even know what that meant. He's like, you know, I work for an organization and we do a great job and we come in and we don't have a union and this and that. And I'm thinking, uh, have you heard of collective bargaining? No, I don't know what that is. Well, what does that tell you? Well, I mean, we've had generations now that we've sort of whitewashed uh, labor history, just like every other form of revolutionary type of any sort of revolutionary movements that have happened in this country. We will whitewash it as soon as humanly possible while it's even happening so that by the time the next generation comes around, there's no sort of inspiration or there's no sort of there was no forward momentum. I mean, that's the goal is to crush any sort of forward momentum. And when you you totally like don't teach labor, you don't educate about labor, that's part of it. You know, labor history is not something that's really taught. No. You know, it really is. I mean, really not. And, and I think that a lot of that is obviously by design. So. No, I definitely agree. Um, and, and I think, you know, what Britt is saying, you know, regarding uh, from a man's perspective, and I think a lot of that has to do with just the inherent nature of men in terms of the hunter-gatherer concept where, you know, if a man is not able to provide, he feels like he's a failure. And so by extension, it becomes a last shot on the world. And that could be reflected in many ways. Uh, how you meditate, uh, you know, whether or not you take up uh, certain things regarding depression, it, it could be a litany of different things. But fact remains, uh, we are a broken oh, public yeah. in so many ways. I would also argue that our food sources 
<clears throat> have been being systemically poisoned. And also just the fact of the amount of sugar intake, like all of that stuff is affecting things in our health in this country. And that affects our mental health. Like there's so many things. So to just say, you know, all, but the one consistent thing is it does seem to be a male uh, thing. These mass shooting events. I, I have not seen a woman do it yet. That's all. I'm just pointing that out. Are you saying trans women are not women? Well, for the I know of I'm all sorry, just holy for the love of yeah all that's gonna yeah let me tell you something ladies and gentlemen if that's the hill you want to die on get ready for 24 it's gonna be awesome. seriously I mean no offense to anybody okay yes if you're a trans Some man if you're a trans man I respect your right to do a mass shooting life. as well. I honestly, this but is at just, some point you have to recognize where it's just getting going I too just far. Can't. Just like people on the right, better recognize that if you don't stop effing with a woman's right to choose, it's going to cost you dearly for a while. Yeah, as soon so, as it's brought, as soon as it's put in front of a wider audience, I yes, think in in, I, in any in any political seat or case, as soon as you are brought in front of a statewide referendum situation to vote on this, whether it's on a candidate for senate or whatever, they they generally are not going to support somebody who is that. I just don't think so in any state actually. Well, let's bitch and moan with our friends yes. because that's why we're here. And so, of course, you know them as the tandem, terrific tandem, of the Punch Up Pod. Lila Charlesley and Patrick Cody, welcome back to Generational Change. Hey, cheers. Hey well well done on pronouncing that properly. Thank you. I know it's a tongue twister. Thank you. Uh, no, it, I and it's that feel, though, I'm not going to lie. I thought that was actually good. Yeah, did, did you just make me a bottom? You want to be a bottom? You're our bottom. I don't know if you're, you're, you're each other's bottoms. I don't know how it works for everybody. Uh, I'm sorry, but if you were a bottom, then I need to see what the top looks like. Is that, kind of <laughs> oh. that makes two of us oh, all respect to <laughs> everyone involved. Yeah, you're, you're definitely a big dude. So. <laughs> um, but, you know, there's so many different places we could start this. You story. guys are using, like, you're not in the same place, right? No, but look how we did it. We coordinated. No, right? it's smart. It's smart. It could be like Majority Port, where they are in the same room, but you don't necessarily see them in the yeah. same square. Right, right. We're in the yeah. same abandoned, bombed building in the ghetto. <laughs> <somewhere>. <laughs> we are barely scraping by out here on the West Coast. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You know what? It's definitely under Jen's bottom right now, no, no pun intended. But <laughs> the fact that, uh, you know, we're looking at – what is it that people who we helped get elected into Congress that are grassroots candidates, and are they actually going to step up and put themselves in harm's way? And it looks like, as I've always maintained, the le the true leader of the squad is Rashida Tlaib, because she's the yes. one with the least amount of Fs to give. She really Clearly. understands 100%. that she also lives... Uh, under the guise of the fact that she is a, a Muslim woman who is absolutely hated by a significant portion of this country to begin with. So why the hell not just own it? And so she yeah. decided that she is going to go full bore uh, to get Julian Assange freed from yep. we basically have Attorney General Merrick Garland say, yeah, we're not trying this case. This is ridiculous. And of course, it would essentially be the end of the First Amendment. Uh, credit where credit is due. AOC, Cory Bush, Ilhan Omar, Ayanna Presley, Greg Kassar. Well, we could do it. I mean, we could. Sure. I have a graphic. Right. We were actually we're, we're having a new segment. You guys can be here for a new segment tonight because right. I thought that we should get into some educational stuff here. So what we're going to okay. have tonight is math fun. Here, take okay. that part down. Math fun with Jen and Pete. This is the congressional edition. Okay, okay I love it. Right. So, Peter, if you will forward to the next to the next slide. Okay, so what we see here is you see over on the right is the letter 
of that Rashida Tlaib sent to the Justice Department to Merrick Garland. You see that I've numbered yes. it. And it's hard to read, but those are the just for everyone. Those are the seven Congress members that signed the letter. So that's seven. That's where I get the seven. So then, if we look over on the left, what we see is is that you have four hundred and thirty five members of the House. Seven of them are aware of the First Amendment. So that's good. All right. That's good. So this is like, you know, but the problem is, is that 428 and I did a little extra math for you guys. It's actually 98 percent. Why you had to like divide and get all that stuff going? It's 98.3% <laughs> of our House members are unaware of the First Amendment. So that was really, to me, like very telling. And so my thought was that we everybody should call up their congressional representative and offer them to educate them about the First Amendment. Um, you could even, if you get a recording, you could even leave a recording of it. I mean, I have mine here. I would just, you know, read that into a recording. But clearly we're having an educational problem with them. Yeah. They're, they're not understanding. I, I don't know. Was it not taught? It's, I don't know. These are things I'm worrying about. But anyway, so that was our news segment. Fun with I, I like, I love the new math. I love the math segment. You know, unfortunately, I think... Um, Matt Taibbi wrote something about that ick factor that they tried to paint Julian Assange with and just make him sort of like unpalatable, untouchable. And I think that most of those 435 members are very aware of the First Amendment, but what but they are just on the side of the criminals who were exposed. Right. I mean, it's why they go after Trump for like the least of his transgressions, because if they went after the things that he they could actually throw them in jail right away for, they'd all have to follow in line and go right on with them with the corruption. But it's really abominable. Yeah. Well, and I think it's another instance where they don't have power now so they can speak up like they always do. Right. Even the the squad, it's like, it's performative. You know, I mean, I'm not going to knock them. Like this is a a huge, huge leap that they're actually speaking about. They said his name. They said his (laughs) name out loud. Yeah. (laughs) Great. But I mean. Sign the letter. Right. Yeah. But you also had a a majority that could have gotten anything through. They could have uh, had this battle while they had a majority in the Senate and the House. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, but when they had that, they also didn't have Merrick Garland. Um, They had the last Trump administration. So I think this really is the opportunity where there might be a chance. It wasn't happened before, you know, because then it was a matter of saving face. They're the ones who reinitiated the, uh, the I'm losing my the I'm losing my mind the yeah. extradition case the, the case oh, oh right 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 like, like they're the ones who pursued like brought that back up and this is now an opportunity for this administration to undo that yeah. right where I don't think it would have happened in the same administration right but I wonder what took them two years but yes I agree with you oh. I mean. <laughs> You know, I don't know if you watched um, AOC on The Lever, and I really so appreciate David Sirota and all of the reporters over there. I think they're fantastic. But there was one clip where he calls her out on it and says, you know, you voted with, I was about to say with Trump, with Biden 91% of the time after saying that in any other country, you wouldn't even be in the same party. How are you bringing the ruckus? How are you holding him to account? And basically she said, you know, it's really hard because we're on a phone call with him and the leaders of the Democratic Party, and they're all pushing us to vote for 
you know, to, to come along in their votes. And I thought, God, it's so interesting because I thought, you know, the, the pod save guys are always talking about how it's the Green Lantern theory and the president actually, when it's a Democratic president, has no power. It's only when a Republicans, you know. But so that pressure does work, but it only seems to work on the squad because there's Joe Manchin getting no pressure and sinking all of the um, you know, big pieces of legislation that Biden pretended were his signature pieces of leg- legislation. So, you, so it feels like everybody's always trying to have it every different way. Like, you know, we have no power. We're bringing the ruckus. It's just hard because we're being pressured. But now we're going to do something when we don't have the power actually to enact it. I it's just a merry-go-round. Well, I feel like we're all in a clown show. By design, right? Like by design. Yeah. Like we look, we can see so many different variables that contribute to this. Like when we look at Congress and different things, like we are very like, no, we notice different people, how they've changed once they get in there, what kind of staff they switch around, who they're now working with, who they're like, and some people change and some people don't. Yeah. And it just and so the odds again. I'll have to bring back another math segment where we go from what you're saying is is that they're very aware of the First Amendment. They just don't give a shit. So yeah. that would then be a subgroup. I'll have to, <laughs> I'll have to figure well, out it, that the subgroup. But it goes, you know, supporting Assange goes against Biden's agenda, which is to shut down protesters. It, it's every bit as much his agenda as it was Trump's because they see what's coming. They see that yeah. workers are fed up. They see that, you know. Uh, all this BLM support got turned from BLM support to, oh, no, defund the police is a terrible word to use. And, you know, Biden's giving more money to police forces. Democrats are acting like they got to be tough on crime, like it's the 80s again. You know, so that's Biden's agenda does not support uh, Julian Assange. So they're going against the Democratic Party. Yeah. It's a push what? The 80s. That's yeah. what it's oh. like. Yeah. That's what it support. He's just that. It's bizarre to me, like how nobody, it, I feel like I'm in Groundhog Day. We had uh, Congresswoman Jasmine Crockett on the podcast the other day. Jen and her are very friendly. And it just, you know, she's going to say some lavish things uh, about Hoyer and Pelosi and, of course, about the president. And it's like, you know, they do not, there, there is just this, everyone thinks that everyone just falls in line in the GOP, but the fact is, on the Democratic side, it's like, you are not allowed to criticize the leadership. It's like, you are not allowed to even suggest that they're not doing a good job. I want to know what happens if you do. Well, you get committee assignments, because okay. all the right-wing Democrats who who didn't fall in line for the Build Back Better, or the bifurcation, or whatever, they, you know, look at Joe Manchin's wife gets a plum job, and he, like, he wasn't stripped of his committee assignments. I think he got to head up uh, what the um, energy, you know. So uh, let's say I didn't give a shit about being on a committee. Like, I thought, you know what, that's kind of a lot of extra work, and quite honestly, <laughs> I don't really need that. So I always wonder, what is it that these people that are our representatives are so scared of? Like, why did they all jump on with Hakeem Jeffries? Like, nobody even thought to suggest anybody else, right? Like, why is that? What Really? Like, nobody could, like, and what would happen if they did? That's right. Like, why is there not one example, one member of the the squad that comes in that actually just says, you know, fuck this. Exactly. I can I can push back on my own squad. Even I can just say what I was elected for. Just one and see what happens. But they don't know. You would be reelected by even bigger margins if you did that. You would. And that's why they can't do it. They, They can't do it. 
what are they like i think okay i think it's a few i think they do get threatened with things like positions they get threatened with being primaried they get threatened with all sorts of stuff but like what you just said I think it would make them so much more popular that it's like when you really have your constituents behind you, really, it's like Bernie. Yeah. You're, 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 you're not going to, they're not going to be able to do anything with that. Better example is Matt Gates. I mean, he's a loathsome, scummy person, <laughs> but he is, he, he was like full bore behind Trump. He granted it's because of his daddy's money but he doesn't take corporate special interest money. And he's very loud about that. Right. And he's very popular within that side of the yeah. GOP. And no one is taking him out of Congress. Nobody. Yeah. And yeah. So, Certainly not a Democrat. So if you're, looking <laughs> at the, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, all right, so you're, you know, AOC. You know, she's in a plus, I don't know, 40 blue yeah. district or whatever right. it is. If she even attempted to start using the power that she has, she would have $10 million every election at her disposal. They would never be able to touch her. Yeah. They're not going to waste that money. Now, they're going to condemn her and say that she's terrible. They'll, they could Ralph Nader reputate her. You know what I mean? Like you her, And they know that she is in the community and she is out there fighting, even though she you know, was trying to do the dance and she's doing way too many of these things that is what a long-term careerist is trying to do even if she is firmly behind the type of policies that we want to fight for. But at some point you have to make a decision. You know, what yeah. are you there for? Are you there for a career? Are you there as a public servant? And that is the, that is the key difference in terms of well, why are you on capital? Yeah. And so yeah. I think they, they have consultants in their ear all day. So they, they go to the, a workplace, just like you and I, if we worked in any regular business and everyone at work hated us, which is what would be the situation. If you, if you, you know, said you hate your boss, your Nancy Pelosi. I hate her. I don't, you know, right. Uh, you know, it's uncomfortable and they'd have to be uncomfortable that whole time, along with constantly hearing this message that you can't win unless you support this, which may be right. true because you would lose the party apparatus that would right. allow you to survive a primary. And um, so I think ultimately you got a lot of narcissists, even the good ones who feed into this narrative that they they believe themselves like I'm going to do a greater good to society by moving Just by up being in the here. party. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. AOC, I'm going to become president one day. So right. the the sacrifices I make now to the party are going to be good for progressives in the long haul. Yeah, a lot of you might die, but it's worth it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's how they see it. It's a price I'm willing to pay. Oh, they are. Yeah. And, and therein lies the problem. You know, right now it's kind of easy to say, for example, that Feinstein shouldn't be in the U.S. Senate anymore, but she shouldn't have been in the U.S. Senate for like the past decade. Decade. Yeah, so, exactly. You know, it's it's so easy to do it when she's literally, with all due respect, probably brain dead and yeah. not really capable of doing anything. The fact that she's been out of the Senate for three months, she hasn't been in Senate chambers in three months. Yeah. And people were losing their shit because one of the only decent senators that we have is John Fetterman. And he was out for two weeks because he was trying to get right. his head straight. It's, it, you know, she's it, out for three months, but they couldn't see to like help the railroad workers get an additional sick day. No, because this it, is a class war. <clears throat> this is a class war. Nothing it really more. is. Yeah. Yeah. And it does become very bandwagony, which is again, why we counted on those people that some of us worked so hard to try to get into office to bring attention to all of these policies, to fight for them. Because once people are out there 
putting themselves on the line, it becomes a lot easier for weaker people to get, you know, to join in on that. And the fact that there has been so much silence or like strategic voting so that there are, you know, some of them are voting for the Capitol Police. Some of them are voting for the Iron Dome in Israel. Some of them are like, right. They, they have really squandered their political capital and the, the leverage that they could have used if they all banded together. Do you all think that they are getting uh, blacklisted at this point because only seven people have stepped up to sign the letter to A.G. Garland, even though, you know, you've got tons of people within the party. Oh, I just thought of good math. I just thought of a good math lesson. The amount of people in the Congressional Progressive Caucus versus the amount of people that's because that's interesting to me. But of course, we know people like Chantel Brown. How did I know that you were going to Because I have have a problem with her. Well, we all. So, okay. So, like, people like her are in the Congressional Progressive Caucus. (laughs) Yeah. Because she's a big champion of Medicare for All, you know. Yeah. But you guys would agree that it's probably a case of them being blacklisted and why there's only seven signatures at this point. Because it seems like a... We need more people willing to be on the blacklist. See, the problem is, is that the blacklist only matters until it becomes really big. Once yeah. the blacklist becomes really big, you don't get to call it the blacklist anymore. Yeah. That's so, the point. Then so that's- let's just so let's say for the sake of argument that you legitimately have somewhere between 20 and 25 representatives in all of Congress that are not completely bought off by corporate special interests. So whether it's Summer Lee, whether it's uh, Maxwell Frost. Any of the people know, on the seven. Jasmine Crockett, whoever. And what would you think would be the reason why they wouldn't sign on? You think they're getting the talking to basically? Yeah, but again, what does it matter? It doesn't right now. But I, I think solidarity. Well, I think that's the point is that solidarity or not, they're allowed to support this stuff. So even their support of this doesn't mean much to me because it can't, pass, you know, seven doesn't change the world. No. You know, so yeah. they're allowed to on some level, just like AOC is allowed to come out and be the most progressive person in, in Congress. You know, it doesn't matter. She, she, yeah. she can't pass anything. Right. It is. It's sort of, that's the whole point. That's the theatrics of it all. Yeah. I think that's why I've always said, I call them the Mick resistance. I, I really do believe people like Nancy Pelosi prefer to be in the minority party for sure. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, you get that. I mean, her speciality is fundraising. You get to fundraise. Like it's a glorious thing. You can fear monger more. Um, yeah. it's, just, it's a really good position for them to be in and they yeah. don't have to, they really can not do anything. They don't even yeah. have to pretend to be doing anything. Just fundraising. You get so many of those texts and emails every day. Can I'm you so, believe yeah. what the Republicans are doing? We'll, you know, every chance we get, we'll fight to protect Roe. Really? Five decades later, what are you talking about? Well, it seems to me that when you think about the personalities and the ones that they follow, particularly on the liberal side of politics, you know, if you glanced at Rashida's tweet that she put out today to Merrick Garland and you saw the responses that were on that tweet and the fact that, uh, I mean, the one that took the cake, as I told Jen uh, when we were just about to go live, is uh, somebody on there, I don't remember who it was, but it was a blue check person who said, you know, the crimes of Julian Assange are worse than the crimes of the Rosenbergs from the, from the 1950s. And I'm thinking it, If you really want to see what the effect of corporate media propaganda really is, just look at those comments. Look at them all. That has to be an MSNBC viewer. Well, of course, but that's what they are. Like a Rachel Maddow follower. Like like somebody who, well, think about how sinister and evil Dr. Jill Biden has to be to say, yeah, my husband sucks, but you have to vote for him anyway because you have no other (laughs) choice. And I'm thinking, well, that group 
is going to listen to that and say, ah, I guess we have to vote for Joe and that's the way it has to be because, yeah. they're, you know, they're they're affected with the, you know, woke virus or whatever you want oh, to yeah. call it. I, yeah. I don't know what you call it, but it's pretty clear that there is a there's a lack of cognitive reasoning amongst a lot of people. And we have to stop thinking of Twitter in particular as real life because it's yeah. not. But it is somewhat reflective of the mindset of the people that are just vote blue no matter who. It's really amazing how how deep it goes. Well, and unfortunately, when he first, when Julian Assange first came out with the, um, was that the collateral damage yeah. video, right? Yeah. That was under Bush and liberals hated Bush, rightly so. Worst president of my lifetime, tied with Reagan. Uh, Biden now, sorry. Yeah. And Biden. <laughs> it's really hard to take that title, I will tell you that. He's working overtime for that. Um, but, you know, they loved it. What they really hated was that their queen didn't get her you know, it was her turn. And that is, that's the whole deal with him is that they don't like the DNC WikiLeaks reveal because they were fine with what he exposed when he exposed the war crimes that George W. Bush, but now George W. Bush, they miss him. I mean, I can't even go on Facebook anymore because it's just all, you know, right-wing Democrats who think they're good liberals or whatever the hell, but like they despise him for ruining Hillary's chances. Well, there are people that still have like the Hillary logo as their favorite oh, picture. Yeah. It, it really, it, it, again, there, there are people who were psychologically traumatized by the whole experience. And it's not easy to completely get away from it because, again, Wasserman Schultz is our congresswoman. Oh, so sorry. So when she sticks her head out going after Matt Taibbi, it's like, even if you have an issue with what Taibbi did, the idea that the Democratic Party thinks that somebody like Debbie Wasserman Schultz belongs on the judiciary to be questioned people about ethics, it's like they're telling you we're gonna thumb out we're gonna thumb you in the eye every yeah, chance we get. You can't every make that shit up. You cannot her talking about ethics is just it's like, so I grotesque and they're just doing it in our face, the rules-based order or whatever. It's well, it's really ga- it, all that gaslighting works because they can always point at a true villain on the right. So if you have a yep. true villain on the right, nothing matters on the left. And yep. your normal Democratic friends don't want to hear about these little grievances about the First Amendment. Who, look at the guy on the right. Ah, First Amendment. Ah, kids in cages. Ah, the border. <laughs> yeah. Tough on drugs. Yeah. yeah. But the right guy. And so they, they will thrive on that, win or lose, until the end of time. Because it, win elections, lose elections. You know, their corporate donors are going to be happy either way, because as long as you don't change the policy to more progressive stuff, nothing really matters to the donors. Yeah, I think behind the scenes, it's it reminds me like when I was little and I used to go to world wrestling, like we would might go with my dad. And I remember one time the big rivalry was Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. And I actually got to <laughs> and it was really cool. But anyway, so I feel like it's like that where behind the scenes. This is what's happening. The Democrats and Republicans are sitting there and the Democrats are like, OK, look. You guys get to go all racist and all nationalist. You blame the Mexicans. You close the borders. You do all that. It'll rally your base. You'll raise big money. We'll then come in and we'll scare everybody about how scary that is. And we'll raise money on our side. Okay, good. Let's go team. And that's, and that's what happens. That's my, that's in my mind. Like that's it's, how it's I think it's, I mean, I don't even think that's debatable. I think that's exactly what happens. And once you see that, everything falls into place and you realize it's not that the Democrats are feckless or don't have a spine. They are complicit. They are collaborators and it's working exactly the way they want it to work. Why else do you let 
uh, what's her face, Feinstein, not show up for 89 days. So you can't get any of your federal judges appointed at the same time when Trump was president. Schumer sends everybody back on vacation is like, we'll fast track all of your people. I mean, how many times does that have to happen before, you know, like this is the game? You mean like that federal judge in the panhandle of Texas that just decided to block a woman's right to choose? I mean, you know, that guy that got was a fast track judge under the Trump administration. It's they're all connected. It's like today. Uh, I just found out that Harlem Crow, who was the billionaire donor to Justice Thomas. Well, not a Nazi. Not all Nazis, Peter. Not no, all Nazis. No, okay. you, you, well, yeah, I mean, it, apparently he collects uh, Nazi paraphernalia. Though. Well, just amazing. Uh, But hey, listen, you know what? People like to collect a lot of weird shit. It's creepy, but whatever. The point is, is that who was he also a benefactor for? Well, none other than Hakeem Jeffries. So go figure. They're all one and the same. It's a giant circle jerk. That's what it is. It's just so obvious. And and I still think Carlin had it wrong. It's a small club and you're not invited. And that's basically what it is. I think it's a small club and I just want to take him out. Well, the club, there is an actual club. We just covered this. The uh, What's the Grove called? Uh, Rhapsody Bohemian, Grove. The Bohemian oh, Grove. Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody Cove. <laughs> Bohemian Grove. It's like a men's club for these elite rich motherfuckers. It's an all men thing. They get together. They talk politics. They do stock deals. They it's they have the thing. Yeah. It's right. it's where they they do it. Yeah. I thought to me, I think of like when I think of the Davos meeting, that's what I think of when I think of the Davos meeting. I'm like, OK, so now the bosses are all getting together and deciding what they're going to do. And then yeah. we have to fight over. Do we want our oligarchs to speak Chinese or Russian? Right. And, I'm, I, you know, for me, it doesn't or really English matter. or look, I'm just yeah. like in this country, the fear mongering about China and Russia. That's what I'm talking about. Like that constant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It matters to me what language they speak because ours are so much more benevolent. Our oligarchs <laughs> are so much more benevolent than the Russian oligarchs. Yeah. And that's what it looks like to me. And people yeah. take this shit seriously. They're yeah. really scared of Russia and China. And it's like, yeah. I'm fair of what you don't know. And I do think that this is a great segue because, you know, right now, <clears throat> if you think about how much energy there is in this country, particularly for the labor movement and people wanting to yeah. collectively organize in a way that we haven't seen in a time and yet it seems like when it comes to organizing on social media there's this constant distraction that's being thrown left and right as i have made it very clear to everybody who cares about 24 and we know the culture war is not going away if you are on the side of conservatism and think that trying to uh prevent a woman's uh right to choose that the ballot box is going to win it won't you will lose And if you think that you can... Even in red places. Yes. And to the people on the left who want to try to push this culture war narrative regarding the trans issue to basically suggest that there is no line that can't be crossed, you will lose at the ballot box. End of discussion. Now, the problem we have on the left is this idea that we can get distracted by all of this nonsense. And then I look at somebody like Jimmy Dore and I think, He's got over a million followers. He has an unbelievable following when he goes out uh, on tour. And Can I still give my disclaimer that I loathe even giving the name credit recognition and so on? But I he really still do. Has, I hate talking about He him. has an immense amount of power to actually lead if he was selfless about the movement. For him, this is about money and a career. And there are people who think that the reason he's doing what he's doing, whether it's the COVID You could be talking about someone like Alex Jones. That's true. But Alex Jones doesn't give a rat's ass about working people. Neither does, neither. Well, Jimmy pretends that he uh, does. Well, I'm just saying a lot of people can have an opportunity to do something in the right direction. And And so we'd love to hear your thoughts about, you know, this idea that, okay, 
It doesn't mean that Jimmy doesn't say the right thing every so often. He does. However, in terms of what he could be doing, if he really cared, he doesn't do he doesn't lift a fucking finger to really do anything. But yet constantly slamming people on the squad for not doing anything. Correct. And he's also the thinnest skinned mother effer I've ever seen because all Pat had to do was poke his ass regarding COVID. And the next thing you know, he's retweeting these no-name accounts left and right because he's so fucking thin-skinned. Like he doesn't understand that dude, you know. We're familiar with that. You know, you really could be making a huge difference in a positive way. And yet you choose to be a douchebag. (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry, because I just want to go back for a second. I would like to understand, or actually, when you said there are lines that you can't cross if you're on the left and you're talking about trans people. My feeling is people should be able to do anything they want to do. I'm sure you agree with that. And I think politicians are often cowed by the language they're told they're allowed to use. Um, You know, I think about like Cori Bush and um, Brandon Johnson, who are both, I think, the only two politicians in my memory right now who sort of explicitly ran or had real allegiance to the defund the police campaign. And they won. The only two. So it wasn't like defund the police hurt people other places because that's the only two places where they actually were defund the police advocates or advocates for defund the police. With the trans issue, I think a lot of people have issues, misunderstandings. They feel uncomfortable. But I think that what the things that are termed culture issues are actually life and death for so many people. And so my feeling is Everyone should be allowed to have discussions and really can be uncomfortable discussions. We should be allowed to discuss them, but still advocate and fight fiercely for people who are being marginalized and and like hunted down basically in this country. So that I just want to sort of I, I, I'm not I know you weren't saying something like opposite of that, really. But I just I wanted to I what exactly did you mean when you were talking about that? I just want to well, make sure I know that there is going to be a level of pushback that's going to move on people in certain circles that otherwise would never consider it an issue. Like the whole thing with Dylan Mulvaney, it will backfire. It is going to backfire and it will backfire spectacularly. If you think that this is going to win, it's not going to win. Now, but is that for Budweiser or for Democrats? Oh, it's for Democrats. I don't give a flying F what Budweiser does. As a matter of fact, the bigger issue here is the person who greenlit that ridiculous ad because her justification for it is we don't have enough young people drinking alcohol, so let's get them to drink with us. It's like, okay, now that's a problem. So if you're if you're transitioning it to where I think it's a more of a serious issue here, there is a very strong movement, particularly when it comes to the right, when it comes to the issue of uh, trans women in in uh, women's sports. And right. that's something that they are going to continue to hammer away at. And the reason why it's so dangerous is because when people in, let's say, New York, California, Colorado, places where it is more or less a non-issue from the standpoint of you're not hearing stories about ridiculous legislation being passed, people being attacked. But you come to a state like Florida, let me tell you, they are hell-bent in Tallahassee to basically eliminate trans people in the state. That is their goal. And they're going to keep doing it. And as long as this becomes an endless talking point, they're going to continue to push at that shit. And it makes it pisses me off because the Democratic but, Party in this state is completely feckless. They have okay, but the, the thing is, the Republicans made that the talking point. Yeah, 
that's that's not it's not the democrats the democrats are pushing equality i mean they're not pushing like hey let's make trans rights our number one issue they understand how politically it doesn't play in red states and whatnot yeah but when when the right talks about it, I mean, what do you what do you advocate the left do if not stand up well, for trans rights? Things that goes okay. to my world wrestling story, where yes. I kind of feel like it's both sides use that. That's the culture. Like they're using say, it politically. I'll tell you exactly what I because I don't think either of them really care about when we're talking about what daily life trans people things. Are I agree. Like. It's really much more because so I have a, I have a friend that I've become friends with since our campaign that's a trans woman and really the first friend friend that I've had that is a trans woman. Love. Yeah. And, and I've learned a lot, like a lot. And, and one of the things is like most people, and this is what I teach my son, most people that are trans, they're just people that live amongst us. These are not like people that are like out there. It, it, it's not that. And I think that the Democrats also with like the use of Latin X, like there's some, right. there's some things I feel like that they do that is more just for the publicity of it than it will yeah. actually to help that community. If somebody That's what there, I think. If you think it. about yeah. the most influential, you trans know, anti, anti-trans there. voices that you have out there right now, and it's Tweedledee and Tweedledum, even though Jen spoke with Michael Knowles, but it's Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles. Those I did, two, I did. I went on Michael Knowles. Those show. are the two biggest uh, in terms of platform, in terms of their desire to make this a front and center issue. But what I- Anna Kasparian. And, uh, <laughs> and, and on the other side, right? Well, Jen had it out with Anna uh, back in the day. Because no, Anna went, I didn't have anything out with her. I just uh, referred to her as the snowflake princess. Well, she went after Aaron Mate uh, because of yeah. what because of what he was sharing about Syria, and it's like, well, she just can't get out of her own way because she's a privileged little lady, and so yeah. that that. My point is, anytime she likes to be called a woman. I'm joking. Oh. I'm totally joking. I'm joking because you called her a lady. W-O-N-Y-N. Or instead of birthing person, what is this? It's birthing yeah. person. And we like honest to God, I'm not it's doing all it. one big effing distraction. Not to mention, I know a lot of women that don't want to be birthing people. Whatever. The point being is that we're living in a time where we have no health care. We have no living wage. Collective bargaining is getting crushed left and right. You have Howard Schultz on Capitol Hill saying, yeah, I, I union bust. What the fuck are you going to do? Yeah, come on. Uh, right? wars, don't, wars don't end. The environment's in shit. And so when somebody like Matt Walsh or Michael Knowles or whoever wants to center this on the culture war, I'm going to say, just remember, these guys do not give a rat's ass whether you right. survive in this world, regardless right. of who they're pointing the finger at. If it's yeah. you, whatever. If it's not redirected, to the of the economic war that we're facing right now, when Joe Biden literally crushes labor in a way that would make Ronald Reagan blush, thinking that he didn't do enough. To yeah. me, that is the fight of our lifetime. And anyone who's getting distracted by other stuff and doesn't redirect it right back to the fact that we are all in this together, and unless you are sitting at the top of the heap overlooking, let's say, the world in Calabasas, for example, to me... That is, I never see anybody redirect this conversation to the economic war. And I wish more people would start to do it because if they did, they would leave the trans community alone. That's my opinion. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what it always comes down to is like, you know, you need to deliver policies to get people to vote for you. And without delivering policy that benefits the public to buy their vote, which is fine, buy the public's vote, you know, with some policy. If you don't have that, they're going to deflect and, and focus on the, these issues. You know, I mean, 
you can be, but you can be right on these issues. You can be on the right side of the trans issues and still deliver policy. They're just not going to deliver the policy. They're not going right. to fight for the policies. Right. So, I mean, that's where, that's where I agree. I don't think it's wrong to, to address the trans stuff with the right viewpoints. You know, I don't want to advocate for leaving trans people out to dry on this stuff. I mean, I, no, I think, I think they can and chew gum at the same time. See, that's the real issue. Is they that's the real issue? Yes. That the instead they talk. Yeah. And the problem is, no, please go ahead. When when you have people like, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, please, no, go. Go. Oh, the problem is when you have people like Anna Kasparian coming out and making this argument that she's a, a woman, not a birther. What what is it? Birth. Birthing person. Birthing person. Nobody's calling her a birthing person. Right. Nobody, literally nobody is doing it. So if you're on the left, she's taking all the bait. She's amplifying this argument that doesn't really exist. Right. Yeah. Right. Because that's language of inclusion in a medical world. Nobody has ever looked at her and said, oh, excuse me, birthing person, your table's ready. Right. Like that's not how that works. And so what she's doing exactly what you said, Pat, is using right-wing talking points to say this is another way that cis-born females are being discriminated against. Like people keep bypassing us on their way to the top. And as you said, Peter, as we all say, the, the thing is what would help trans people and marginalized communities and women and men and everybody in this country more than anything else is healthcare for everybody, a living wage, uh, Green New Deal, public education, invest in our infrastructure, stopping our endless wars, like that would actually help everybody. But at the same time, as trans people are being discriminated against, as black and brown people are being shot point blank by the police more than other groups, like then like you st- we still have to address that. But I hear what you're saying, because what Democrats always do is they they don't want to address the economic issues because that hurts their bottom line just as as much as it hurts their Republican pals across the aisle. So it's much easier to be like, look, but we put, you know, a woman in charge of the CIA and a general is a woman. And this we have a black woman on the Supreme Court who's only going to vote in conjunction with corporate donors. Black vice president. Yeah. Oh, I know. It's only getting worse. They're very, very culturally aware that way. But yes. if we ever figured out a way to sort of galvanize all of these people, there's no telling what we could accomplish. And that's hundred percent. I, I would and that's where I do want to bring it back to, you know, just the issue of Jimmy in terms of why he doesn't do that. Why aren't, you know, we are we expect the comfortable liberal who lives in the LA suburbs, in the you know Miami suburbs, to not give a damn about working people, even though they'll put a Black Lives Matter sign on their front yard because right. it's an economic war, and we expect them not to hold Rachel Maddow and MSNBC and CNN accountable for their actions, who are very complicit in some of the most egregious ways possible. The problem with somebody like Jimmy is why aren't people who support him taking him to task for not utilizing his platform to do all these things that he supposedly gives a rat's ass about living wage, universal health care. He could absolutely be making an impact right now. But instead, he does tiddlywinks with effing Nick Brana, who's one of the biggest grifters I've ever seen and how anybody would ever accept him in their circles. I mean, my God, he's got a he's got he's got such a punchable face and he just really is asking for it. And the idea that you do an anti-war rally in D.C. and you let that son of a bitch be your MC. Are you that stupid? I mean, at some point, you really got to wonder. 
I don't give a damn whether Jimmy wakes up because we know for Jimmy, this is all about making money. But when are enough people going to look at what he's doing and saying, man, is he ever really going to take like some serious initiative to try to make some type of a galvanized movement with labor, for example? I don't see it. What do you guys think? Well, no, not if he's going to send everybody, not if he's constantly lying about COVID and vaccines and mitigations and that it's really not harmful to the working class because now he's actually just complicit with the billionaire class and trying to get everybody back to work in spite of getting them sick and dying. I mean, and that's my, my beef with Jimmy is not on really other policy issues for the most part, other than, I mean, we can disagree with him having conversations with Boogaloo boys and, you know, going on Tucker Carlson uh, and not that Tucker Carlson is bad, but go there and have a debate and discussion, not just, Hey, we agree the Democrats suck. Cause obviously you're being used. Uh, in that way, because that's what's happened when he goes on Tucker. Um, but, you know, he's he took the pandemic. If you're a righteous anger guy, which is why people are attracted to Jimmy Dore, he's got this righteous anger behind the need for all these, for healthcare, for example, which is the top issue on the left. And you're turning, you're pushing, he's now pushing the establishment points about get back to work. The pandemic's not a big deal. Masks don't work. Uh, Vax is bad. He constantly has people on that downplay COVID and the left should have used this pandemic to rally people behind Medicare for all. It should have been the number one thing. No matter you're feeling on vax, you could, you could be anti-vax and still rally behind the pandemic because you can't look around and say it didn't kill all these people in the world. So you could be anti-vax and still hold that view. But he's not doing that. He's 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 the look. Twitter is not real life, but Twitter is where the progressives have the loudest voice, and he is one of the top dividing forces among that dividing voice on Twitter. Yeah. One of the biggest issues that I have always taken with him is the idea that people were willing to follow him right over the edge when it came to the People's Party movement, which was a disaster from the, the very beginning. And the fact that no one was talking about the actual electoral barriers that are in the way of a third party movement. If you do not have right choice voting, if you do not have open primaries and if you do not have, you know, proper funding, there is no way to actually grow something outside of the party. There are states that are taking that initiative. Nevada, obviously huge, you know, that they've passed right choice voting. Alaska has it. Uh, you know, Maine has it. You guys have jungle primaries. So does Louisiana. But there is a lot of work that needs to be done in terms of the infrastructure, in terms of making that change. And all I'm thinking is, yeah, all these people want to get outside of the Democratic Party. Sure. But it seems like it's just one big sheep herd to just get money without actually saying, well, is there actually a cost benefit to what we're doing here? And the fact is, it's been a complete disaster. And that's what I'm concerned about, because so many we've had shows about this. Yeah. So many people have lost faith, don't know what to do. And we try to cross pollinate with different channels as we do with you guys, because I think that the audiences are just they're yearning for some type of a movement to find its way again. And right now, it just seems like we're completely dormant. And yeah. it's not like the people aren't there. It's not like the, the desire. We're not dormant, for, we're just divided. Yeah, but it's not like the desire for universal health care and a living wage has just gone away. People we're unorganized. Alive. We are we're, very unorganized. We're unorganized. We, yeah, I mean, we, we need to be organized around the labor movement. Correct. 
That's what we have. We don't need to be divided on electoral politics because we know our power, like the powerful people, the most vocal people on Twitter, the people have been around pushing progressive stuff on the left, all realize it's a losing game within the party. And it's also a losing game with third parties. It doesn't mean don't build them up, don't fight progressives within, but the only place we have any real power in the near future is the labor movement. And there's there's no unification to talk about this. Most shows don't even get into any of the labor shit. Right. We cover it a lot. That was actually one of the main reasons when we started this. We even had like, I used to do more interesting graphics, but we had like, a, you know, <laughs> like, like solidarity with labor. Like we had like segments yeah. about this, but like it's very, very important. And that's why one of the things we've also talked about and we had the workers strike back a couple people from that on. Um, you know, and what, what Shama Swan's doing out there, that is exactly the kind of thing that I think uh, is where there could be a real difference to be made. And she is somebody that actually has a track record of being yeah. successful. So she's, you know, and I think that she appeals to so many people, like working people, like if we could do something to help facilitate. And I think by us doing what we do and talking about it and bringing on labor people and educating mm-hmm. people all that to facilitate that for her, I think that has some seriously good potential. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. We have, well, I'm sorry, we, but we have power in places other than, you know, I mean, uh, a mayor is different. We don't think about mayors around the, the world, but mayors have a lot of fucking power. And yep. Sharma showed that. And, you know, we need to follow her, her suit in that. Yeah. Yeah, the whole fact that the amount of power she had in nonpartisan local politics and, like, here... When we talk about our nonpartisan local people, they don't. Really, nobody does anything. Nobody right. does anything. Florida is a very bad example. Yeah, that's true. Because, that's true. You know, again, it, it, not to you know fall into the trap of talking about Wasserman Schultz, but she has a lot to do with that. She has completely, more or less, run this party into the ground. Um, the decisions that she has been making behind the scenes over the past year plus has been absolutely devastating. And again. Uh, as you like to say, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, and that's kind I of one that. But I do I think that you need to kind of hit bottom before people start to realize that it's time for major change. Because if somebody like DeSantis is going to win almost two out of three votes in Florida, you, ha- you really have to start looking in the mirror and say, maybe we need a generational change. Well, and I would also argue that maybe Charlie Crist wasn't the best candidate. But I'm Oh, my God. Yeah. Yes. How was that a candidate? Disgusting. A perfect example of that, and again, without getting into too much detail, but let's just say that a week before the primary, even though it looked like Charlie was going to win, Debbie decided to bring him down here to Broward County, where Nikki Freed, mind you, who's the new head of the Florida Democratic Party in the state, uh, is from, decided to bring Charlie around for a whole bunch of events and couldn't wait that week in terms of Charlie winning the nomination and then doing it. She had to thumb Nikki in the eye in the process of doing that. And that's just one example. It's not obviously that degree of significance, but it shows you the lack of leadership and why, not necessarily that the state wasn't leaning red, but the fact that it's become what it's become, the fact that DeSantis has become such a force, the fact that Tallahassee has got so many of these terrible bills and there's nothing that is in the way of stopping them. The mismanagement of the state party led by Debbie in so many ways people can't see has a lot to do with that. But let's focus on something positive. Oh, God, here he is. I, I always think of from Archie Comics. Do you remember Archie Comics? There, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whenever he comes in wearing that, I think he looks like, it reminds me of Archie. 
Well, this is my mm -hmm. alma mater, and of course, they are doing a fantastic job right now, as you guys know. So we're going to pull up the video. So everybody okay, has an go idea. Rutgers. If you them. didn't know, Peter went to go Rutgers. Rutgers. Nice, Peter. Okay, we covered that earlier. Yeah. Yes, we did. Everybody. Solidarity. Let's see what's going on over there right now. It's looking pretty good from what I can see. Okay. So, what are you playing here? A strike at Rutgers University now in its third day as negotiations continue in uh, Trenton. Union leaders say they're the wrong one. We need the right one. Uh, right video. What is uh, it? Where is it from? Uh, it is from Rutgers University. No, what news outlet is it? Oh, from? uh, you know, one of those local news outlets in New Jersey. Well, this is w well, this is New Jersey. Hi, uh, I'm Courtney Miller. And hey, Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure to do your Pilates, brother. Rutgers University. Three unions representing about 9,000 full and part-time faculty members are at a standoff. The two sides remain far apart on key issues, including a pay increase. They tried hammering out a deal in Trenton late last night and into today, but still an impasse remains. New Jersey reporter Tony Yates with Where Things Stand Now. And any headway reported, Tony? Mmm, Sade, neither side has said anything about any positive movement whatsoever. No word from the governor at this point. So day two was a robust day again of walking the line. There was hope that with Governor Murphy's team moving in, negotiation gears would shift. We see that as a good thing. I mean, I see that as a good thing. I'm sure the union welcomes it, depending on his role. He could throw in some money also. Those talks in Trenton went on until 10 o'clock last night. Broader pickets and more picketers today are a sure sign there was not enough movement to make a difference. Rutgers now saying it will consider taking legal action to force faculty back to work. Unions calling it an attempt to union bust over their asking for livable wages. But I have a master's degree and I have to door dash to make extra money just to make sure I have food in my home. I have three jobs at the moment because I couldn't afford to actually just work part time at Rutgers. Versus the life, they say, of Rutgers president, Jonathan Holloway. He was scheduled to earn $1.2 He got the house that's awarded to the position. He got a car. He got presidential escorting service. And it's just like, that was written in 2020. We're here in 2023. You're making more than 1.2 now. There's a lot of indignation, a lot of rage of just how the school can be so callous and just not provide for their employees. Because that's what we are. We're workers. We're doing 40, 50 hours a week, and we should be compensated justly. Now, President Holloway released a statement uh, yesterday saying that some of the protests has actually disrupted some classes uh, that were going on yesterday, but the unions are denying that, saying that they have been peaceful, uh, very determined, but peaceful. But Imagine thinking that the worst thing would be not to be peaceful. But also, I have to say, I appreciate that this local news channel actually spoke to workers because often we only hear like, can you imagine they're disrupting the campus and the university is shutting down? And that's like, we're about to go into a writer's strike here in Los Angeles. And it's always about, it's going to shut down the writers hold out. It's going to shut down the whole city. And, you know, right. so I appreciate that they actually spoke to the workers and explained what that, what the issue is. Yeah. I thought that was yeah. good. It's always framed as, uh, oh, the poor students if the teachers don't get back to work <laughs> instead of it's the poor students if the 
school doesn't pay them. If the president, like, you have two choices how to frame the entire argument. Exactly. Always frame the wrong way. Right. You know, yeah, so that's good. You know, we have a friend, Metalopoli, who is conservative and constantly comments on the chats and says, why are they striking? What job do they do? You know, the bottom line is, in some ways, it doesn't really matter what their job is. It just matters that I don't want people to have to live on welfare. And you shouldn't either. Right. It doesn't matter what their job is. Right. If people were content with their job, they wouldn't be wasting their time doing that, especially people that work. At, like we're talking about professors, right? I mean, like these are people that are student, uh, students, some are adjunct fa faculty. Well, so, like, it's all different. So we, yeah. In uh, in California, the U university system was the higher education system uh, supported by the state here, like UC Berkeley. Uh, all the UCs. My alma mater, yeah. UC Davis. Um, but they just went on a historic strike last year and they won record winnings. Uh, they, they got like, for most people, 25% increase, 25 to 50% increase. They got, uh, child Benefits. services. They, they, got, right. they won, they smoked the school, the, the UC system. I mean, they, they absolutely benefited entirely. So, and that's the point is that when you strike, you win. These people are winning. You're not hearing about them being forced back. The only people forced back to work are under Joe Biden and the trains. Ugh. God. That's the only yeah. instance of, idea of, of yeah, I mean, the idea you can hear a president of a university making 1.2 million, and that is just salary. You're not even talking about right. the benefits. Okay, and you have to bring that up because when I was listening to that kid talk about the benefits, and he mentioned that he also gets an escort service, and I thought, damn, man, these guys that we're now giving our we're giving them escorts. Like that's what I'm thinking in my head. I'm like, they're living large. Well, they're living large. College has changed. God, I, the sweet, I, sweet I, benefits of being a president. Of I would have saved so much money if it was. Never mind. Well, that's <laughs> also the argument about, you know, when someone on the right who yeah. is a true free market capitalist and is saying, well, you know, he earns one point two million. How does he earn one point two million? And how does a worker only earn thirty five thousand? Like, and then have to work another job Canada, at least and in New Jersey and in New Brunswick, New Jersey. Let me tell you something. That is, you want to live your head above water, you need to be making probably at least 60000 a year just to survive. Like if, you're making, if you're making pennies on the dollar, I mean, come the on. The only places I know where you can really live on that are places that are not urban places. Yeah. Well, that I'm, are smaller town places. I mean, I, what, wasn't there a study that came out just last year that said people making $160,000 or below are all living paycheck to paycheck one way or another? Yep. And I know, like, obviously, if you're making $50,000 and you look at somebody making one sixty, but like that could be, you know, there was a great, I, we always refer back to it, but Jordan Sheridan did um, a lot of interviewing of Amazon labor in New York. And he was talking to people who were earning $18 an hour, which sounds huge. They were living in their cars. Of course. So like, you know, it's always an hour in New York. It, well, the truth is $18 an hour in most places at this point. No, it's like, yeah. You know, yeah, that's not a thing. But it needs to be a living wage. That's also, yeah. and that that would, you know, and I think it could, I don't know how you would figure that out, but there's very smart people that could figure out, like, <laughs> get out your math chart. Oh, my math chart. But like, whatever the percentage is that you should pay for housing is to be a certain percentage of your wage or whatever, like whatever. Yeah knowledge on this and you figure out what that is and then maybe you do it county or region or state i don't know because but it should just grow along with cost of living yes and you also just tie everything to the cpi okay. you find a fair number tie it to cpi yep yeah that's why or ceo pay 
See, that, and that's the thing that I think, because if that were still, if we kept that percentage, that proportionate, yep. you know, between people, then I wouldn't really have a problem with how rich the rich are. Right. Uh, like, then that's not a problem. Like if your least paid employee is making a seventh, I think that was, was it like seven to one or, I mean, maybe even 13 to one. Yeah, no, I can't remember what it, it was. Yeah. Um, the, the, the biggest gap in like 1980 or 1981 was like 30 to one was the gap, the highest right. CEO. And that right. was, and that felt obscene in the eighties even. Today yeah. it's like over 300 to one. It's, right. it's such a it's ridiculous not, number. Yeah. And it has everything to do with worker exploitation. So when anybody says, for example, that if somebody's working at Walmart or at Amazon and they're being paid X amount of dollars. Walmart to me is much worse than Amazon because Amazon provides a service that most people want and they do cross pollinate with small business owners. Granted, the system is completely skewed towards Bezos's business interests. But the point say. is, is that there is no value whatsoever with a, with a company like Walmart. Their whole concept in terms of how it was constructed, which was basically to Walmart. destroy small town America, completely destroy the mom and pop shops by outsourcing all of the uh, the jobs, outsourcing all of the materials and having it basically done on slave labor, bring it to the state, sell it at rock bottom prices and put everybody out of business. And then if that's your only option in certain parts of the country, then your idea that, well, you know, they should just go out and find a better job. Well, not everybody is capable of doing such a thing. Yeah. And there's nowhere else to go. There's one job in town. Right. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And well, we, we covered this on our show, but like Amazon now, 36% of factory workers of, of uh, not factory warehouse workers, warehouse workers are Amazon workers yeah. in the entire United States. And that's that 36% is responsible for 50% of the workplace injuries. So Amazon is, they're no heroes and they may oh. do stuff for small businesses but they put out the brick and mortar small businesses. They're all gone because right. of Amazon. Yeah. And Amazon is moving into the Walmart space as well. So they're coming in and they've seen Walmart's local model and they're doing that as well. Whole Foods. Oh yeah. Well, I haven't, so, I haven't, I used to do Whole Foods years ago, but I, once they got the way that yeah. I haven't been there in forever. Yeah. Well, and Amazon, they're not, everyone thinks Amazon is just shopping. Amazon is tied into the delivery of medication. They're, Every, the CIA, they, they get shopping. huge CIA contracts. The shopping oh, bid is just a fraction of their profits. A they fraction. Drone, they do drones. They they have like a whole like droning thing that they, yeah. they work on with the oh, it's exciting. They do drones and they kill people and all sorts of stuff. <laughs> oh They're so helpful. Anyway, we're doing of how evil they are. I kind of took yeah. us off a tangent here. No, they are. They're, they're, they're it's all completely evil. Yeah. I, well, Lila, you brought something very interesting, which is uh, this idea that the CIA, which has, you know, I mean, look, of all of these shadow government institutions, they're probably the worst, even though, you know, a lot of ones will compete with them. But the one thing that we saw over the course of the last five years is the corporate establishment found a way to convince a significant portion of this country that Trump was such an evil man that trusting the CIA was a great idea. How do you say, baby? <laughs> yeah. like I remember when Bill Maher had John Brennan on the show, and I'm thinking, John Brennan, Mr. Torture himself, Mr. You know, CIA spook of the highest order, John Brennan, you're taking advice from this guy. And all I'm thinking is now you look at the statistics that came out where you see the liberals agree with the CIA, with the FBI, with the NSA, 
And Ben Franklin said it best. If you're willing to give up liberty for security, you get neither neither. one. You deserve neither. Yep. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the the Pied Piper strategy worked. It didn't get Hillary elected, but it has allowed everything else to run rampant. Wars, the security state, uh, you know, privacy, and liberals are all in because it just feels to them against Trump. And they really suffer from this idea that Trump is the worst president we've ever had, that he's, you know, they miss George W. Bush. I can't see a difference between George W. and Biden. They've both done way more damage to our world than Trump could ever hope to do, as disgusting and despicable as Trump is. But let's face it, like they were all palling around with him in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. And again now. And again now. Like he's repulsive. We all know who Trump is. But like now, like, yeah, it's really. Hold on. I take exception to that. I'm a really great person. When you say that, I'm really offended. I'm a really great guy, and believe me, we're making America great again. Again. In 24. Orange man bad. Um, No, I'm totally awesome. Orange bad, uh, like my Trump derangement syndrome. It's like, it starts like the malfunctioning in the head. still want to do business with me. I always found him douchey and his kids Beavis and Butthead or whatever. But like, you know, he he didn't start any new wars. I could say that in his favor. He, he... He didn't support the TPP at first, anyway. No, you know? okay. he asked that that was the best thing he did in his presidency. But he also did a lot of other shitty things. Oh, like yeah, no. Every other yeah. President. He's horrible. I mean, he's horrible, but like, yeah. not, not any worse than, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he's horrible. And yet, because he's the only victim, I mean, the only villain the Democrats ever cover, DeSantis is going to win the primaries. I'm telling you. You guys, I don't know what your thoughts are. We're taking bets, Pat and I. I think DeSantis wins the primary and Democrats are like, well, at least we got away from Trump. That I agree with you. If that, I don't think he's going to win the primary. If he does, Democrats will absolutely say that. Just like they thought it'd be better to have Mike Pence. Because they're morons. Not Mike Pence. No. The problem is. Trump over Mike Pence. No, but I'm saying Democrats would prefer a Mike Pence. They prefer oh. a DeSantis. Like they're so they're suffering from the Trump things. They're, they're, they maintain decorum. There's too many. Yeah, exactly. Too much but because, because electoral politics is all about voting against the other side, right. that will suppress Democratic turnout because it's DeSantis and not Trump, which will lead to DeSantis becoming president. Right. You might be right. Oh, my God. Now here's the so little, here's a little caveat that's coming. Down There's no the Democrat that can win. Well, here's the thing. None. I agree with that. I do think it it's Trump matter. or DeSantis. And it doesn't matter who the Democrat is. Quite yeah. they don't have anybody. Trump or DeSantis in 24. I definitely believe that. However, uh, what is going to happen on the Democratic side? Well, we saw Marianne get in. We saw RFK Jr. get in. But I got to tell you guys, I saw a video the other day that your governor decided to make, and it looks to me. Like Newsom is basically yeah. just holding back, getting ready, because he knows his opportunity's coming. It's just a question of when it's going to happen. We've always thought it would be him, DeSantis. Yeah, like that would be like a good showdown, East-West. He's crying about the freedoms for his kids. That means he's running. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's saying make make every state um, California again. He ran, didn't he run a, an ad down in Florida against DeSantis? Like he wants this. He is going to usurp if. Buttigieg, Kamala, they can all blast off. 
Newsom wants this so bad. Let him, let him be the face of the loss. That's great. Whoever wants that job, let him have it. It doesn't matter who it is. It'll be very interesting. Someone's following that sword. His, his record is so bad, and he'll get absolutely pummeled to death. But he, you know, again, he's got he's got Jack and and Bobby like written on his face. He's yeah. been ever since he was mayor of San Francisco. This has always been his plan. He's always intended to do this. He's got the you know, the lingo down. He looks like a president. I mean, this is what he's a member in the wine cave. Absolutely. Well, he's, he's Nancy Pelosi's nephew, for God's sake. I mean, he was on. married to Trump's. I didn't know the he Trump, Trump Jr.'s wife. No remember? I knew that. Kimberly. Yeah. I mean, talk about being connected in every possible which way. And Let's, it'll, it'll just be, look, whoever it is will just be fun watching them lose. And the only reason you could really argue that Newsom would not get in the race is because of the donor class. Like if the if the donor class basically just says we're riding with Biden, if you will, then <laughs> he doesn't have the ability to raise grassroots right. donations. He needs the billionaire donor class to right. fund his campaign. So he's just preparing. I mean, what do you guys think are, is going to happen as we wind down the conversation? Oof. I don't know. I, I was, think I was, whoever wins, we all lose. That's what I think. For now. So this is what we propose, okay? This is our proposal, okay? We think <laughs> that in here, move the thing, move your thing. This is, this is our pick. Guys, these are the people, if you, if $10 patrons, you get the Mansion Parliamentarian bumper sticker, but... If, if these are the people that can hold things up and have the real power, then that's who we should be supporting, people. So this is who we're going for. We've already said it. Mansion Parliamentarian 24. Um, that's our plan. What do you guys think? I'm going to let Bernie take it off yeah. out of here. I know he didn't do well last time, but I'm rooting for the meteor again. You want to? <laughs> <laughs> I was just a little bit younger. I would get in the race again. Don't talk to John, but I just want to come on here and say thank you to Lila and Pat for doing such a wonderful job. You guys really are doing your best out in California, which, mind you, did a really good job for me for you the last time I went. And stay in the fight. You guys are doing very well. The punch-up part, remember, always punch-up, never down. Unfortunately, a lot of people have a problem with that. Just want to come on and say hello. Thank you for what you do. Um, you guys are awesome. We have so much fun hanging out with you and these discussions. And thank you for working so hard on everyone's behalf. We thank you guys really appreciate coming. you guys. How can people find you if they want to check out your work, what you're doing, your wonderful podcast? It's the Punch Up stuff. Podcast. Punch Up. Uh, Punch Up Pod every Wednesday at five. And you can follow us on Twitter and YouTube at Punch Up Pod. Very cool. That's 8 p.m. She said. Uh, what she said sorry everything's all about east coast time guys i'm sorry we're extremely so, let me tell you something it's one of those things i'm extremely what i would get provincial i'm very no, provincial i'm east coastist yeah. i am yeah, I, I hear Harley, you. whatever i am the world is according to east coast time i don't even know i, I can't i'm just saying i'm just saying i am I'll own um, that's the west coast thing. i was gonna west coast but i i am way too white to flash that even we're um, also pretty ripped because we've been drinking for the last four hours we well, pregame yeah. and then we do our show and <laughs> <laughs> true story thanks so much bye. take care bye always fun always fun yes always fun and very productive on my head and it really, you know, we definitely covered a lot of important ground. And that's why, again, these conversations need to happen. 
but if you are so inclined and you guys like our work, which I'm guessing you probably do if you're here, please go to patreon.com forward slash generational change for as little as $5 a month. You become a wonderful supporter of our show and you get yourself the Lulu sticker as a starting point. But that is something you will get in addition if you become a $10 a month Patreon of our channel. Because what do $10 patrons get? They get the matching parliamentary bumper sticker. And guys, seriously, you're, you're, who else are you going to be rooting for? Really? Who else you got? And you know who's got the matching parliamentary bumper sticker underneath the United, United Corporations, Corporations of America? John Sheraton and Status Quo. Next time you watch a show, you will see one of these bad boys right there. Because he's with us on this. He supports Mansion Parliamentary. But if you are really considering yourself being generous at this point and really want to help out, wonderful you get the Gen Change jersey. Tri-Blend, super silky smooth. You'll love it. $25 a month really would be a big help. Now, of course, if you're so inclined to contribute, but you really don't and guys, just so you know, our, our organization, we are a nonprofit. Yes. And so it, some so, of that money go to? so it goes to all sorts of things. I mean, we donate money to different causes, different things. I mean, we sent money to someone who had a, like, I, we sent money to the Fox farm owner in East Palestine um, that, that was having to like evacuate foxes. I mean, just different things, but all charity. And one of the things we do is we hand out um, hygiene kits to people that are unhoused. Um, and just everything that we can do to help. We donate to local organizations that are doing things like community gardens. We also do during election season support non-corporate candidates that are in line with our philosophies. So we do a variety of different things, but, um, puppy pod. Want, yes, I definitely agree with that, Travers. We do need a puppy pod. That would be great. And if you are so inclined, go to dollar sign, go to cash app, dollar sign, gen change. Any amount you can contribute, obviously. It helps. It helps us because it helps us. We know the guys who help us put out clips and stuff, we can barely afford like to even compensate them at all. Like we do the best we can when money comes in, like we pay as we go. Like oh, I try again, my best, but due, we're really yeah, small. And again, with all due respect to other people, I mean, this is not our career. No. We're, we're doing what we can to help. I mean, I- But I, I, we ha I have gotten to where it doesn't cost me money anymore. So that's been nice, but that's like, guys, Daddy, like seriously, there's no, there's no profit here. <laughs> You're you're helping us just be able to do this and educate people, and we get really good guests. And if you guys haven't gone back, look at some of our um, episodes in our library. We've done so many really good topics, and a lot of them are things that are still issues. We cover a lot of different things. So, what do we have coming up? We don't have anything planned for <gasps> next week yet. We have so. nothing planned yeah. for next week. It'll happen, guys. We always come up with something good. But tomorrow we will be on with the Gen Z report. I will be on. I will be in the studio tomorrow. Um, I'm not sure if anybody will be in the studio with me. I'm not sure who's going to be online. I'm going to now just be running this like the Gen Z roundtable, and it'll almost be like whoever shows up on Thursdays, <laughs> and we'll just talk about current events. Well, I'll never really tell you the truth about who funds this show or not, yeah. so don't ask too many questions. You might be safe. Uh, how do we know that he doesn't fund the show? We don't. We don't know that, I suppose. No. Although, don't. although seriously, if we had big funders, we'd have better stuff. Like, we'd have better gear. I'd have a better computer that doesn't keep, like, every once in a while it looks like we're going to not have the connection. We don't have, like, we would, we would upgrade a little bit. I would better sound, like, sound barrier in this room so that we don't hear so many things from out there like soundproof outside like there's things i would do if we had better sponsorship so well i just had to come on here because uh. i saw that my name was uh indicated and uh, <clears throat> you know i may not be that cheap but for 20 i'll definitely come on here and let everybody know Daddy, so, uh, woo! 
Jed, it's good to see you. He's like, he's like your. It's like when you go and you pay, and the little peep show thing goes up, and you get your money's worth when they do their. I touch myself every so often. It's really nice for twenty. I can only touch on the outside. You give me another twenty, I might just take off the shirt. You never know. All I have to say is, uh, you know, you guys coming on here tonight talking about how you're going to work together and uh, formulate this uh, labor coalition of sorts. Don't you know I crushed labor way back in the day that that was my end all be all with NAFTA, normal trade relations with China. Uh, I also was able to successfully repeal Glass-Steagall. <laughs> that was the creme of a creme, I have to tell you. Uh, so unfortunately, uh, you know, for the people that are on here thinking that you think you're going to make a difference. No way, no how. And just remember, if we don't elect Joe Biden again, if we do not put in some token, well, I'll just like that, <laughs> representative that thinks that they're going to be able to do what they're going to do in office other than what our bidding is going to be, we'll just settle for Trump or DeSantis. I mean, that's kind of how it works. If you think you're ever, and I mean ever, getting yourself a non-corporate leader of the free world, I'm sorry, folks, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. It's going to happen over my dead body. That's all I have to say. Maybe we'll bury you on Epstein's Island. That is your favorite place to be, is it not? Well, when you put it that way, maybe you'd like to go to that island. I mean, never mind. You know, I, I've actually never been there before. Um, it, it's just, uh, it was just a rumor, a really bad rumor. And uh, I had nothing to do with Mr. Epstein not surviving his night yeah, at Rikers. I had sure. nothing to do with it. It wasn't my fault. I won't say who actually did it. I'm not saying I know. I'm not saying I don't know. All I'm saying is I had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So, I'm sure. Oh, Dave, I've been working out. I have been on a vegan diet. I have been taking really good care of myself. Believe me, if I take off my shirt, you might not be as embarrassed as you think. Ten years ago, yeah, you might be. You probably want to turn your head. Um, but for now, I think we're doing okay. So for those of you who are You'd here. You'd have to, honestly, extremely white. Yeah. Very, I'm very white. I'm very white. Like, like. Almost like you, you, you would need sunglasses. White. I am. I am. He's white. He's white, and that's pretty white. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with me, I was once the governor of Arkansas. I became the president of the United States thanks in large part to the Walton family. They really did a number. And of course, who could ever not thank uh, Ross Perot for getting in the race and uh, siphoning all those votes away from Mr. Bush and making me president. And uh, I kind of had a lot of fun for eight years. <laughs> kind of got caught doing some bad things, too. Oh, man, I definitely think those were the good old days, weren't uh, they? I, I miss them so much. That's why I hate Bernie Sanders so much, because that's why Hillary needed to get in there in 2016. I needed to get back in there and I would have been the first gentleman. And I definitely am a gentleman. I mean, come on. You know, you got to uh, you got to admit that so I am kind of special that way. Yeah, you're special. No, I definitely am. I mean, I always say thank you and please when I'm with a lady, even if she says no, I always say thank you. And I always say please. Just remember uh, you got to be polite. It's what's most important. So if any of you got me uh, questions for me, you know, the clock's still running, but $20 goes a long way. So I, I definitely want to make sure that you, <laughs> you guys, guys have any questions for Bill. You got anything for me. You're a pretty lady, Britt. <laughs> it's really nice to see you. So uh, I, I, I really am Bill Clinton. So don't uh, think for a second that I can't get you, uh, you know, Private case somewhere. Uh, like Epstein's I Island. Like say, well, no, you're talking about something I have nothing to do with, but what I do know, and a lot of people out here should She know, looks young enough to be one of your, one of the girls. Oh, she's a charmer, all right. And of course, 
uh, Slick Willie always wants everyone to know that I do, in fact, have my own library, as you know, in Bentonville, Arkansas. But you know what you may not know is that there's two floors on the library. The second floor is my palatial palace. It is a beautiful, beautiful condo building, and it's all mine. And only very special people get invited there, so keep that in mind. You may get an invite. It's disgusting. Oh, Lisa, that's really too bad. I'm sorry that I couldn't uh, convince you that I was really a great president. <laughs> I convinced a lot of fools for many years that I was, but, you know. Uh, just go towards the light. Uh, I'm not ready to go. <laughs> There's still a lot more left in the Willie's tank. Uh, he's going to use it while he can. So just understand. Uh, Danny, Danny, you paid for it. I guess I got to answer it. Mark, can you explain why you signed the Telecom Act? And you can explain how a mess of fortune of 100 billion on a 350,000 year pitch. If I had to tell you, I'd have to kill you. So I, unfortunately, I'm going to have to keep my mouth closed on that. But in terms of why I signed the Telecom Act, that's yeah, real simple. I wanted to be a rich man. And they promised me I would be. And you damn well better believe I became one. <laughs> it certainly paid off wonderfully. Now, of course, for everybody else, uh, I am responsible for MSNBC and Fox News. So if you want to point the finger anywhere, you can point it at me. I made it the law. Uh, I cannot tell you what the definition of is is. Well, depends, Travers. What is your definition of is? What is the definition of is? Is is? Is was? I, I don't know. I, I have to tell you about a lot of I do know what a woman is. And even if she may not be atomically a woman, I can assure you that if she's pretty enough and Slick Willie's drunk enough, you never know what I might be capable of. So I'm just warning you, don't, don't hate, don't discriminate, just placate and you'll be fine. That's all I have to say. And uh, it's really nice to see you. <sighs> uh, well, of course, <laughs> maintain your, uh, you know, your semblance of sanity while you can, because it's only going to get worse from here. But obviously, it's really nice to see you all. And uh, thanks for the tip. Really appreciate it, Daddy. Good to see you again. Ah, uh, uh, there you go. I don't know what that is. Uh, I don't know what that is. Yes, it is. Uh, it, well, it was earlier. Uh, oh, my God. I, when I had to go, the roads were yeah. horrible. Like, I was actually concerned because I don't have, like, a tall car. I have a small little thing. And I was thinking, like, you could really feel the water like underneath it. And I know that when it gets flooded, you can end up like just being stuck out there and yes. I would just be screwed. But no, the streets are really flooded. <laughs> yeah. Glad you liked it. Linda. Yeah. Thanks guys for coming on. So we don't have anything exactly on the books tomorrow night. The kids are going to be talking about, wow. I'm going to tell you what the topic is that they've chosen for tomorrow on the Gen Z report. We'll start out doing current events. But then the topic is, oh, the, ha, the Federalist Society and our judges. <clears throat> That's what they're going to be talking about tomorrow. We try to get, uh, if we can get a guest on once in a while. Um, and well, I, we, I, we'll see, you know, look. And Jaden, you know, you should have like a rotating team. Well, that's what I'm working on doing. I'm getting a bunch of people. Evan says that he will start participating in a couple of weeks when he has some downtime. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have like a rotating um, thing which in fact we could talk about uh, now because we could talk about that so guys if you know anybody that's a Gen Zer and it really doesn't have to be like in that age. it could be if you know someone who's 24 and they're very actively you know interested in current events topics policy 
and they would be interested in participating in a discussion with their peers on different issues and how these issues are affecting their generation, things like housing, employment, uh, all the kinds of things that where Gen Z is sort of like stuck holding the bag. Uh, those are the kinds of issues we're talking about, uh, student loan debt, all of that stuff. So um, if you know anybody, we'd love to have them send us an email, generationalchange at gmail.com. And we'd be more than happy to include them and have them come on and participate. So you just have to be comfortable talking to no, people. Way, we already covered the Riley Gaines story in San Francisco. We, I have been very adamant about what is going on regarding the trans issue and where some of the trans activists, again, this is no different than the Trump supporters who show up at a rally and 5% of the crowd are these absolute looney tunes. Well, I'll give you five percent of the trans crowd are at a trans crowd are absolute looney tunes, but that still leaves the ninety five percent that are. You're focusing people. on outliers, and the truth is that's what the media purposely does. They purposely these they latch onto outlier stories for talking points, and that's what they do, so that you then sort of can generalize an entire group of people to like a couple of why these stories. The, and why do you think points? the talking point is always Brooklyn and San Francisco? Because that's where a lot of those types of people are. You go out into most of the United States, it's not like that at all. But of course, if you're watching Fox News, they're going to be convinced that that's what's going on. Right. Just like if you're on MSNBC, you're going to be convinced that we can't actually have populist non-corporate policies in America because most people don't want them. And if you're foolish enough to believe that, then, you know, that's on you. Yeah. You know, and I think it's one of those things where like when we were talking about this with um, with Lila and Pat about um, that they they like make an issue where there is none. Right. This whole thing about being called a birthing person. Well, I feel like that about this whole thing when I hear the term groomers. I want to know, I would like somebody, and I'm being very, very serious. This is not like, you know, hyperbolic. I would really like to know situations. I would like somebody to show me factual, documented situations that constitutes what you call grooming. And I would like to see what that is. I would like to see what, when somebody says that they're groomers, I would like to know what factually you are speaking of, what situation, what that, what is the context of what you call grooming. I would like to see that. And then, and only then, can I comment on the idea of groomers? Because I have yet to hear what that is. And you know what? Because I think it's a made up silly thing. Do I think that there's teachers that are not good with students and have abused them. Yeah, forever. Priests too. Let's start really talking about that. Sure. But it has nothing to do with trans. Let's the archdiocese. It has nothing to do with trans people and it has nothing to do with gay people or LGBT. It has nothing to do with that. Certain people that get in teaching positions, unfortunately, abuse their power and do things that are not okay, that are inappropriate, that are illegal, that are criminal, all of that stuff. And that needs to be dealt with. But again, I anybody who mentions the word, if I hear the word groomer and you do not show me what you mean, the name, the nature of the story, the facts of the case, then I can't have that discussion because I do not know what that means. Do you know what that means? Who's grooming who? Is it like the like the like the, the voodoo gays are out there I'm trying to groom our kids to be gay? Well, okay, you know what? Go back in history and look at all the times that people have had issues with books being in schools, and you will see that you are on the wrong side of history. You will be on the wrong side of history. It is never okay to censor. Keeping people from factual information is never the answer. Never. Never the answer. 
So when this is where we get down to what the ultimate debate is, and the ultimate debate for a lot of those people is whether or not this is is this is a real thing. Like you have people like Michael Knowles saying we're going to eradicate transgenderism as if it's some sort of made up thing because you can't really pick what you are. And they keep their harping on this. They have such a fucking hard on for this whole concept of what people's genitals are in proportion to what they want to be. And I don't understand why they care, but that aside, they want to pretend that's not real. That's what this is. They want to pretend that that's not real. And so really what we're talking about fundamentally is these people are, do not accept science. They do not accept science because I, I just don't understand how you can like, because now what you're talking about is banning information that's factual. That's never the answer. Never the answer. No one has, no society or civilization has ever been made better off by keeping people from information. That's mm-hmm. never the answer. We would definitely have on Dennis Kucinich. Uh, he would be a great guest. Oh, yeah. If anybody has any idea to get them. Um, Did somebody suggest that? Yes. He oh, wow. Tears. Uh, we definitely agree with that. We would have love to have him. Danny, thank you so much for your support. And again, anybody else out there who is considering contributing, Travers, Neoliberal, Danny, Metalopoly. Uh, Metalopoly, Amanda, give Rufio. me a factual, stated, like an actual example Lisa. of what you call grooming and, and, and facts and evidence. And what is grooming? Litnara, thank you. Because you uh, consider grooming telling people about Dave transgender Dave. and different types of gender identities and different types of orientations that exist in the world at an age-appropriately taught level. If you don't want that to be taught, then you're not acknowledging that it exists and you just want our kids to not know that that exists. That's insane. That's crazy talk to me. Sorry, it's crazy talk. Everything can be done age-appropriately. I had a five-year-old who asked me how his little brother came into the world because my kids are almost six years apart. He was five. And it took me a couple of weeks and I put it off and I said, okay, I'm going to explain it to you, but I need to figure out the best way to do it. And you know what? I did. I explained it to him. I told him what he needed to know. I did it factually, scientifically. He always respected that. He still talks to me, but he's 22 now. And so like, there is a way to communicate all of these things to children at all ages that is age appropriate, but to pretend that the LGBT community doesn't exist and or to feel like you somehow have some way or interest or standing in their choices as to what kind of healthcare or or gender affirming care, whatever it is that other people want, that's crazy sort of authoritarian shit. That's what that is. And And as we've said, anything not to talk about the economic war that we're faced with every day. The second you get on- Why do young children need to know about gay people? It's not that they need to know specifically about gay people. It's that there are gay people in the world that exist. So let's say you're in kindergarten and your teacher has a picture of their spouse on their desk and their spouse is a same same gender spouse. So your teachers, your kindergarten teacher is a woman, usually is. And then she has a picture of her female spouse on her desk. And she, in talking to her kindergartners, references her wife. As most teachers reference the people in their lives when they're teaching. I don't think there's anything wrong. Of course there's not. Because that, again, it's not about that she's specifically teaching them, this is gay and this is what gay means and you should all be gay. It gets back to the teaching of the separation of church and state. Because again, this idea that you want to ignore the fact that at least 10% of the population identifies as something outside of heterosexual which granted is a minority. For They'll sure. figure it out, right? And after a tortured existence of life, you know how many gay people that I grew up with when we still, and we, 
I was, we're talking the eighties when I was in high school and the amount of people, there was one person that was out. We all knew who the gay people were, but nobody really talked about it. And you say, they'll just figure it out. Do you know what those kids that I grew up with would have done to have a teacher or anybody that they ever saw in their life that was gay and living a gay life? Do you know how many kids that could help and and save in so many ways just to know that they're that they that they're it's okay? So don't don't act like kids shouldn't know that that's a thing. They should know that that's a thing. Okay. Just like it's they just, know that left-handed people are a thing or blue-eyed people are a thing. They're a minority, but they're a thing. So we it's okay to to learn that they exist in the world. Same with transgender people. It's a, it, it exists because it exists. It doesn't exist because they decided to say it exists because they want special treatment. Okay. It exists because it's existed since the beginning of time. And it's just so frustrating that, that anybody, I, I just, I can't even with this. It Se- exists because it exists. Separation of church and state, smash the like button, make sure you're subscribed, click the bell, share everywhere. Our live streams are picking up a little bit with our numbers. We're happy with that. We're glad to have each and every one oh, of you. Oh, drag here. queens reading the children. That happened, what, in a couple of places? And at this point, it's people just making a point. Drag queens don't want to read to children. They probably don't make anywhere near the money that they make doing what they do. How anybody could be threatened by drag queens is also, you, are you, you're scared of a man wearing heels and a dress. Have you ever seen the birdcage? How's that person coming after you? Watch, what are you crazy go watch, talk? Go watch the birdcage. How you could be threatened by drag queens, I don't understand. Now, I don't see how they'd want to be reading the children. And I think maybe you find outlier cases. But that's not the problem. That's not creating gay children. That's not the problem. The problem is things like school lunch debt. That's a problem for children. Them having story time with a drag queen, that's not a problem. I don't love it. I probably wouldn't be psyched on it. I think it's a little strange, but that's not the problem. Let's focus on things that are the problem. That's what I'm saying. All I can say is is that it's an economic war, not a culture war. The culture war is what is the distraction from the economic war. You solve the economic war and the culture war will stop. I haven't seen the gender queer book and what you consider to be the disgusting pictures, but you know what? I remember there being disgusting pictures in my biology book. I remember absolutely disgusting pictures in my anatomy book. And that was all in high school too. And and, and I actually remember even in elementary school thinking that things in science books were kind of gross. I couldn't remember my my books that I had when I was in like sixth grade or something like that. And they were old books from like the late seventies or early eighties or whatever. And people would doodle in the books. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. There was that, but I want to tell you, I remember something that I still sort of have nightmares about. We had a book and it it, it must've been, it was some sort of history book and I don't remember what it was, but there was a picture. No, it wasn't. It was science book. And there was a picture of the elephant man, the real elephant man, not the movie elephant man, the real guy, the real, well, they, it wasn't an elephant man, but the, he yes, had elephantitis. <laughs> the point is, I remember like that picture freaked me out and was so disgusting. And I absolutely remember, remember that. And it, I was in elementary school and you know what? I lived, you suck it up. Sometimes things are weird, but you know what? Pretending they don't exist is not the best approach to raising the next generation. The best approach is to give them as much information as possible in an age appropriate manner. There's something called nuance. I was able to explain to a five-year-old how his baby brother got in there and he totally understood and it was totally age appropriate. There's ways to teach children things. And honestly, the fact that gay people exist shouldn't have to be taught because it just is. And if you would let people just be 
then they would just pick that up. Like they pick up, some people have a mommy and a daddy. Some people have two daddies. Some people have two mommies. It wouldn't be a thing. Stop making it a thing. <laughs> That's what I think. Yes. <laughs> uh, I, I can't really add much to this other than do not allow the culture war to distract you from the economic war, which is the war that we're fighting every day. Um, you got to try to find humor in everything if you can. Uh, I was not aware of that about Tom Cruise. That's interesting. Again, it's I would a, need medical proof. There's this, this, this looks like a HIPAA violation that to me. Yeah, I don't know how. I don't you know how you know that. Yeah. And considering that Tom Cruise <laughs> does everything in his power to not allow uh, everything to get. We out. don't have to agree on a medical. We don't. What we can agree on is a living wage, universal health care, ending the wars, having a clean energy initiative so people have clean water to drink instead of a contaminated existence, which is slowly killing them, whether in East Palestine or in Flint, Michigan, or Jackson, Mississippi, or a whole bunch of other I places. I think it's around. in so many places, and we just don't even. That's true. We just don't we even. Don't. So that's why we have to fight the good fight as best we can. Thank you uh, to each and every one of you who came on the podcast tonight. Remember to smash that like button, share, do all those wonderful things. Tune in tomorrow night for the Gen Z Report. And I will see you, we will see you on Monday. Thanks for watching. If you want to support our mission to transform politics into service, please like this video, subscribe, follow us on social media, and consider joining our Patreon, where you'll get early access to our interviews as well as other exclusive content. Links are in the description. Peace out.